a truly inspiring story and with the first ever twins on the show that's coming up next. Need a judgment-free zone when it comes to your financial life? Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a bilingual podcast for today's Latina who typically thinks English but feels her Latina culture through and through. I am your host, Jen Hempel, and each week, we have down-to-earth money conversations from people in La Comunidad Latina that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. Lista? Let's do it. Hola, Reina. Hi, Queen. How is it going today? This is Jen Hempel, your host. We are making history today on the podcast once more as we are having the first twins. Yes, you heard me right. The first twins ever on the show. These two young men are inspiring. Y son colombianos. They are from Colombia. So I have Colombian pride. El Orgullo Colombiano with me today, and you'll hear it all throughout. Let me tell you a little bit about today's guests. Camilo and Francisco started the Finance Twins to empower people to take control of their financial lives. Raised in poverty, Camilo and Francisco were forced to learn about money and personal finance on their own. They worked hard to build a solid financial foundation for their families, Camilo earned an MBA from Harvard and Francisco earned an MD from the Mayo Clinic. They share lessons they learned along the way with their audience at thefinancetwins.com. In today's episode, you're going to learn the lessons they learned after losing their father at seven years of age. You heard that right, seven years of age, and witnessing their mom's credit card getting declined multiple times. You're also going to learn why they would wake up at 3.30 in the morning every day before school as kids, as well as what happened as a result of getting credit cards once they turned 18 years of age. And it's probably not what you think. Lista? You ready? Let's go meet Camilo and Francisco. Bienvenidos, Camilo y Francisco de Finance Twins. I'm excited to have you here. Qué orgullo colombiano. Gracias, Janet. It is amazing to be here with you and your audience. Well, thanks for being here. And I really am excited about this because I got to meet you uh, and I had heard about the Finance Twins and then I found out you were from Colombia. I'm like, Seriously, this is just so exciting because anything from anybody from Colombia, I'm like, yes, I'm cheering from the sidelines. So let's dive in to first, I wanted to talk to you and really learn about your money story, how you grew up, what you heard, what you listened, what you experienced that really has shaped you into who you are today. So who wants to take it away first, Camilo or Francisco? Sure. So Our early years in Colombia were very good years from a financial point of view. Our dad had a very good, stable job, and things were going very well. And in the late 80s, early 90s, when there was a lot of political instability in Colombia, our family had an opportunity to move to the U.S., and things were going pretty well. 
where things took a turn was when our father passed away from cancer when we were seven. And that's when our family began to struggle. And our mom, she's a strong Latina. She raised three children by herself and was working multiple jobs and really struggled. And it was through those early years of seeing how hard our mom was working, yet struggling financially to make ends meet, that we realized pretty early on that we were going to have to do something pretty dramatic to change the trajectory of our lives, not only for ourselves, but to help our mother as well. So you had the struggle, you saw the struggle that your mom was going through, the financial struggle before you were seven. So take us back before you were seven. And granted, you were young, you know, do you remember anything observing your parents uh, either talk about money or did they uh, talk to you about me? Did did you have any of, of those observations or recollections? I would say I don't remember my parents talking about money. I vaguely remember when they would talk about my father's treatments that they were just very expensive, but I wouldn't, they wouldn't necessarily teach us money lessons. We, when we first moved to the U.S., we kind of started off in, in an apartment with our family, with our dad and our mom. And after a few years, they rented a house. So we kind of did experience this upward mobility, this upward progression where you start with a little apartment as a new immigrant family. Then we rented a house with a backyard and a front yard. So we, there was definitely this kind of progression, but there weren't necessarily conversations that were happening. And then after our father passed when we were seven, again, there weren't conversations, but we just, we were acutely aware of the financial hardship that our mother was experiencing. And we, we really internalized it. You know, when we were little kids around Christmas time and our mom said, what do you guys want? We never asked for anything. And if anyone has spent any time with Francisco and myself, we love things. And we, we like to go shopping and do things, but we just knew from a young age, it doesn't, you know, we could tell our mom we wanted a PlayStation all we wanted, but it wasn't going to happen. So we understood that. And we understood that at a very young age that there was, she worked a lot and she struggled. And, you know, we would notice things like, for example, we'd go to the grocery store and a credit card would be declined, or she'd want to go, we'd go back to school shopping at Target or something. And, you know, we, we weren't able to get all of the supplies on the back to school list. And, you know, you start seeing those things when you're in, you know, kindergarten, first, second, third grade, the first, I would say like that kind of colored our view of money and that it was a scarce thing. You know, not everyone has it and we understood it, but Francisco and I understood that if we wanted those things, we're going to have to figure out a way to to do that. And he alluded to the making the radical transformation, these radical changes in our lives. And we just, we understood it from such an early age that we kind of looked at each other and we said like, we have to do something because because mom's breaking her back, working three jobs. We're not seeing her a lot, but she's struggling to keep the roof over our heads. And we never, you know, we never went hungry and stuff, but we understood there's this financial shortage in our family. Right. And it's interesting how much our stories are aligned. And I mean, granted, yes, we're both from Colombia. We came when we were young because you came, were you seven or it was, no, it was before you were seven that you moved. Yeah, we US. were four when we came to the U.S. Okay. Our older brother's four years older, so we were four older brothers, eight. And the, you remember seven because that's how old we were when our father passed away. Yes, that's when your father passed away. And um, though you mentioned living in an apartment because it was the, those I had those similar transitions. I didn't ask from our parents for anything because they only had to tell me once or twice we don't have the money. 
So why would I ask them for something if they already told me we don't have the money, we can't afford that. So it's interesting how much our story aligns in some ways. Now you mentioned you really observed your mom's credit card being declined, not being able to get the school supplies. And so that was really, you knew right on that you had to do something different. So take us, let's fast forward. You graduate high school. Did you stay? I think you at one point went back to Colombia and then came back to the US or, or you stayed after your father passed? Yeah, so we went to Colombia when we were seven. And our father, he was having surgery for his cancer. And after he passed away, we stayed and kind of just stabilized ourselves as a family after he passed away and kind of just regrouped and got our bearings. So we were in Colombia for three to four months with family. And we went to school there so we wouldn't have to like lose or miss a year of school in the U.S. And then so we were there for three or four months and then we moved back. Okay. Yeah, so I think we we need to rewind a little bit because I would say in the point at which I think our lives changed, I think was kind of like in seventh and eighth grade where, and maybe even before that, because we always did well academically, but that's the point in time where Francisco and I, most kids were like, what are we going to do this weekend with our friends? Like Francisco and I were literally would sit around when we were like 12, 13 years old and say, what are we going to do when we're 25? And, you know, my older brother tells this story. He was four years older. So then when we were freshmen in high school, he was a freshman in college. And he said he came home. He remembers this vividly. We barely, Francisco and I didn't remember this, but he remembers vividly that he came home for winter break, his freshman year of college. And he was out with his friends and he was out very late, having a lot of fun with his friends from high school. And he said he came home at 3.30 in the morning and he was trying to sneak in. So my mom wanted to get mad at him for coming home so late. And Francisco and I, we were awake and we were at the kitchen table doing homework. And he like was like shocked because he opened the door, was expecting to find like, you know, a quiet home. But we were sitting there doing homework and he asked us, what are you guys doing? Have you been up doing homework? And we said, no, we, we always wake up at 3.30 in the morning to do homework because we like needed to prepare because we knew we wanted to go to Ivy League universities. We knew we had these dreams and ambitions for ourselves. We wanted to become physicians. And that's what I meant by we need to rewind because it started so much before high school. We knew we had to prepare ourselves for the rest of our lives from a very, very young age. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because of course, I don't know this. (laughs) I love that. So it's interesting that you yourselves were driven. It's not like your mom was telling you, get up, wake up. It's 3.30 in the morning. It's time to do homework. You yourselves were driven to do this because you were bound and determined that you were going to improve your financial life and pursue your dreams, if you will. So I love that. Now take it forward to graduating high school. Uh, What happened then or around that time frame? Yeah, so when we were kind of figuring out what we wanted to do, so I always wanted to go to medical school. After our father passed away, my dream was always to be a physician and kind of help those in the way that physicians helped our family. Camilo always wanted to study business. So from an early on, we kind of knew that our paths were going to kind of diverge. Camilo's dream was to go to Wharton to study finance, just because it's such an elite business school. And I knew I wanted to go to medical school and I knew it was going to be a long financial journey. 
And so I, we both kind of just applied to different schools. And I went to the University of Minnesota where I got a full tuition scholarship. And Camilo ended up going to Wharton to study finance. So we were both just over the moon. All of that hard work just really paid off when the acceptance letters came in. And we both, we didn't apply to that many schools, but we both got into all the schools we applied to. Um, so it was just really rewarding to kind of see the fruits of our labor, all the sacrifice that we made just come into reality. And, and it was also sad because that was the point in our lives where we were just spent all of our time together. We would study together, played sports together, everything together. But he, one day, he just got on a plane by himself with a suitcase, moved to Philadelphia. And then I only went to school an hour away from home. So that was a very exciting, but it was also kind of like a sad time because that's kind of when we physically um, separated kind of for the first time in our lives. And as twins, I wonder how, and you might not know this answer, I'm not a twin. I, I do have a sibling. So from being so close, do you feel like as twins, it's, it's harder to separate or is it just the closeness or is it something to having to do with just being a twin? I would say that by virtue of being a twin, it's harder to be away because we literally shared a bedroom from when we were, the day we were born until I moved to Philadelphia for college. Like we slept <laughs> like eight feet away from each other our entire lives. And so I think that was more difficult, but then at the same time, it almost made it easier because we were so close that we'd spoke on the phone every single day. And if I wouldn't have been as close to my siblings, I think I would have been even more isolated on the East Coast because I wouldn't have even been calling my family at home. I would have been really by myself. And so I think by virtue of us being so close, it made it harder, but then also made it a little bit easier because we just both had so much emotional support from each other. That's awesome. So you accomplished some great things, the, um, the Wharton School of Business, and you went on to become a doctor, Francisco, at the University of Minnesota. And you, you also studied at other places. Uh, hello, Harvard <laughs> and uh, the Mayo Clinic. So tell us, because uh, you, Camilo, st uh, studied business, right? And right. since then, you have put that to use and you've both are running a, a website, a fabulous website called The Finance Twin. So tell us what brought you to doing that? Because you have, yes, you have a degree or, or education in, in business, but what brought you to do The Finance Twins website? Yeah, so I have the, the you know, the bachelor's degree in finance from, from the University of Pennsylvania in Wharton, and then the an MBA in business from Harvard. But our financial journey started when we were little kids. And so we knew, I mean, Francisco and I, when we were, the day we turned 18, when most kids were, I don't know, going out to buy a pack of smokes or something, I guess now maybe kids are buying their vape pens. But the day we turned 18, instead of going to the 7-Eleven, we literally uh, applied and got credit cards because we knew we needed to start building credit immediately because, you know, we had seen our older brother in college when he was getting apartments in college, he couldn't get my mom to co-sign for anything. And so we knew like, man, we don't have anyone to ask for money. So we need to start establishing credit early. As a result, Francis and I both have amazing credit. But the point being that we, this journey started way before I was studying finance. And we kind of understood how no one, unless your parents are teaching you about personal finance at home, you're just not learning it. We had to teach it ourselves. And we were reading articles 
all the time online. We were trying to figure out how to do this, reading books. And I had the formal training in finance, but really this was just something that we identified so early on that there's millions of people out there who feel stuck, who look like our mom did, who are working three jobs, working tirelessly for their families, but can't make ends meet. And we knew that we had lived this, we had experienced it, we knew there was just an opportunity to help people. And that's really what motivated us to start the Finance Twins. Love it. And something that you said struck me. So you turned 18 years old and you went to get credit cards. You didn't say you went shopping with those credit cards or it doesn't sound like, or if you did go shopping, it sounds like you used it responsibly because you say you have a good credit score. So, or unless things were a little different back then, because it's been a while. So you... From the very beginning, would you say you applied for your credit card, you got it, and did you just use it responsibly, meaning you didn't rack up debt? Correct. I I would, I I don't know. 18 years old. Yeah. So (laughs) I would, I know for certain, I don't think I've ever paid a dollar in credit card interest because my card has been paid in full every single moment. I would, I'm not positive, but I would assume Francisco (laughs) could say the same exact thing. Yeah, the same, exactly the same. have never really carried a credit card balance. And also that credit card account that I opened when I was 18, I still have that account open. So like I've had this same account for over 12 years and it's never, ever had a balance on it at the end of the month. It's always paid in full. And that's what I learned. And it's funny, I had a conversation with my parents and because it was when I became an adult and I had this really interest in personal finance, they would ask me, especially my dad would ask me for advice. And I'm like, you're the one that taught me. So I'm not understanding. And he couldn't remember that the things that he taught me, especially about credit card, just because with his own experience, they got into credit card debt. And he saw the value of having a credit card in terms of establishing your credit as well as, you know, those perks, getting the points uh, for travel and all that. So he taught me very early on when the parents have the talk, I had the sitting down money talk, and he taught me how to use that. So it's interesting how they don't remember you know, what they, it was, I mean, I attribute it to them, right? I, it's not because I just, I had to, I was fortunate that he did sit down and, and talk to me about balancing the checkbook and those basic skills. So it's just interesting. I'm just, I just really applaud you that at 18 years of age, that you got a credit card and you didn't go shopping and carry it. Cause that's, it's so rare, right? Especially these days, as we talked about that personal finance, we we're not taught about, you know, how to manage money, let alone a lot of people say, oh, you know, it's a credit card. It's free money, quote unquote, free money. And they go use it. So I applaud you for that. So how long have you been doing your blog now? For a year and a half now. Holy cow, not very long. Oh my goodness. Okay, this is awesome. Because I would say you've been doing it for a while just because of how you carry yourselves and how you do the website. If I were just tuning in for the first time, I would think you'd be doing it forever. Oh, well, um, thank you so much. That's so nice. Seriously, it's very well done. And what would you say? Because one of the things you said that you wanted, why the reason you wanted to do the blog was because you saw a lot of people from your own experience and just how people were getting stuck. So how do you set yourself apart? I mean, I have you know an answer, but I want to hear from you. 
How do you set yourself apart from all, there's a ton of personal finance blogs. How do you feel yours is different? Yeah, so I would say, the so you're so right. There's so many websites. You Google personal finance blog and you'll find thousands of them. And, you know, trying to stake out from the pack isn't easy. But I think one thing that Francisco and I, we bring to the table is that we have such a unique experience where we grew up understanding that we were just broke when we were growing up and we we wanted something different. And our mom, I mean, we, you know, if my mom calls me tomorrow and asks me for a couple hundred bucks for something like I want to be surprised. This is still something that, you know, as a family we're going through. But I would say earlier, you mentioned like, wow, I'm so proud of you guys that you were 18 and you didn't use, use a credit card. And I would say, you know, we were just, we had such an acute understanding of, of what it was like to struggle financially. And, you know, we saw our mom cry and shed tears because of the lack of money. And we just knew we were never focused on like, oh, what should I buy today? We we're always so focused on like, where do we want to be in 20, 30 years? And I think losing our father when we were seven, just it kind of made us grow up. We had no choice but to mature. And, and we knew we have to take care of each other and help take care of our mom. And, and I think that experience, that understanding and that empathy that we carry sets us apart because we're not talking down to people and saying, oh, you don't have money. It's your fault. You don't work hard enough. No, our mom worked her butt off and she struggled. And we know that a lot of times life isn't fair. The financial system isn't set up so that everyone wins. And so we try to approach things in a very empathetic way and in a way kind of from this feeling of understanding. And I'm sure Francisco could say the same thing that in in medicine, it's important to treat your patients the same way. Yeah. So I would just add an addition to that. I think we have been dealing with this and thinking about it for so long. We try to just make it in a way that's really easy to understand, that's really simple. And that's something I really learned also in medical school. I was taught that when you explain things to patients, you have to do it at a very, very simple level because it's really easy to overwhelm people when you use a lot of words that people don't understand. And we've really tried to embrace that on our website and not try to impress people with all these fancy words, but just break it down in a way that people can walk away and Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Pain the information, apply it to their lives. And that's really for me, like, of course, I love the background and why you feel it's uh, unique. And I was for me, like, if I'm looking from the outside, looking in is simplicity. Like you take the concepts and just like you said, Francisco, and you try to make it as simple as you can. And that's what I try to do. And that's something that I love about you all. And for you listening, check out their Instagram. I love, I love their graphics. (laughs) And just the concepts that they take, you you all take are really, you make them simple. Some of the things that I love also on your blog are the calculators, especially that retirement calculator. For you listening, and you've probably been to the websites that have retirement calculators and you have to put in these things and you're like, what am I supposed to put in here? Or it's not really simple. And they really have some really cool, simple calculators. So just make sure that you check those calculators out because there'll be a link in today's show notes. So I love this. Now you both are married. You have little, little ones that as we are recording this are taking a nap. So for your babies and and for your future babies, maybe, I don't know, no pressure, no pressure. 
what is one piece of advice you would want your little ones to take to heart and run with? Financial advice, let's put that. So who wants to go first, Camilo or Francisco? I'll start. And I think for me, it's, it's so simple advice. And it's something that it's applicable to everyone. It's something that, frankly, I struggle with to this day. And I'm a personal finance expert. And it all comes down to delaying gratification. And it's such a tough lesson because society, marketing, social media, nothing is set up for daily gratification. We live in a world where the quick dopamine rush is everything. And when it comes to personal finance and thinking long-term, you almost need to do the opposite and realize that, hey, if I I really want to, for example, I really want to buy a Jeep. I really want a a Jeep Grand Cherokee. And I know that it's going to cost me 45,000 bucks. But the reality is that it's not going to cost me 45,000 bucks. It's going to cost me, if I take out a loan, it'll maybe end up costing me 50,000 bucks. But on top of that, that's $50,000 that let's say instead of buying a $50,000 car, I bought a $25,000 car, I would be able to invest the difference. So not only am I paying that much, but then I'm losing the amount of time I could have been investing and saving for the future. And it's so hard if you don't understand and the impact of the time value of money and that being able to delay that gratification that it, everything is costing you so much more than you think it is. So that would be my, my lesson for my son, who's 11 months old. It would be to, as he gets older, trying to introduce to him the idea of delaying gratification. And it's hard when he's hungry, he's hungry, and I feed him right away. It's not like <laughs> it's not like you can just say like, no, no, we'll feed you a better meal in two hours. Just sit tight. But I think slowly and gradually over time, you have to try to internalize those types of lessons. And I think if there's one thing that... For, People ask me, like, what's different about you and your brother compared to the average person? Since the average person isn't, you know, going to Harvard when they grew up in poverty, I would say we were just so laser focused on our future. We were able to lay gratification so easily. People would say, well, don't you want to come to tonight's party? We'd be like, no, I don't want to go to tonight's party. I mean, I do. I really do. But I really want to be rich when I'm older, too. And I got to go. I have to go to a good college to do that. Or I have to, you know, going to the right college is going to get me the right job, which is going to get me to the right career. And we were just so lucky that we did it at an early age, because we were able to shift the trajectory, you know, to the left a little bit, and which helped us a lot. Love it. But now I'm also curious, you've been eyeing that Jeep, haven't you? <laughs> so that was a that was a hypothetical. If oh, my, my okay. Jeep like, would actually I'm be a Tesla, that would you be might a, be car shopping. That would be the Tesla, which I, I don't know, I don't see it in my future anytime soon. But <laughs> never say never, I have to keep delaying that gratification. <laughs> Love it. How about you, Francisco? What would be that one yeah. advice, financial advice? Not surprisingly, I was going to say something really similar. So I've been Your trying, twins. I've been trying to put a different spin on it. So I would tell my daughter that, so it's a, a little different spin on a, on a similar concept. And it would be, just be mindful with your decisions. And no one expects you to be perfect. And that's okay. And a lot of people associate personal finance with sacrifice. And I think like so, sometimes it goes hand in hand with delayed gratification, but not always. And it's okay to spend a little more on certain things, but just be mindful about those things and try to spend your money on things that are really going to enhance your life in the long run. And 
like Camilo said, don't go for that quick dopamine rush, that new shiny object. Try to be mindful, focus on things that are going to bring you sustained happiness or experiences, for example. And it's okay if there's certain things you enjoy that may not necessarily be the ideal things, but as long as you are mindful and a budget for those things, that's okay. And you have to live your life. You can't just always be sacrificing for later because at the end of the day, the future is so uncertain. We experienced it. Our dad didn't plan on leaving three young children behind. I don't plan on leaving my young daughter behind, but you never know what's around the corner. So it's okay to just also live your life, but just be mindful. There's extremes on both ends and just just have a plan and execute it. And I know um, if she listens to your podcast and reads our site, she's going to be just set for the future. And I'm just so excited for both of their futures. Love it. So mindfulness and delay gratification. And how cool is it that she can in the future or both your children can listen to their fathers uh, tell them this piece of advice? Isn't that, isn't that cool? That is cool. We'll have but to make sure just, we no, get them sure listening to the podcast <laughs> at a very early age. That is awesome. This has been fantastic. Now we're going to wrap it up with what I call the Cheese Express. I know guys don't tend to gossip or, but Latinos, we, nos gusta contar chismes. Mm-hmm. So we're going to learn. Yeah. And we're going to learn five random facts about you. You weren't given these questions ahead of time. They're just quick answers to these questions. So we're going to start off with you, Francisco, and then I'm going to um, ask you the same. So you answer the same question, Camilo. Are you ready? Arepas de choclo or regular arepas? Regular arepas, for sure. Man. Okay, Camilo, how about you? Choclo, for sure. Yeah, see, you're my friend. No, Francisco, we're still friends. Okay, so now I'm also curious um, because son colombianos and I have to know, when you're drinking hot chocolate, what do you do with a slice of cheese? Do you put it in the hot chocolate and let it melt and take it out with a spoon all really melty and good? Or do you sip your hot chocolate while taking small bites out of your cheese? Yeah, you immediately put the cheese into the hot chocolate so it starts melting immediately. (laughs) Even as an adult, I still do that. How about you, Camilo? A hundred percent. I mean, that it'd be sacrilegious to do it any other way. People think it's gross. That was one of the first things when we moved to the U.S. You do what? I'm like, it's so good. You need to try it. They're like, no, that's just nasty. Give me a marshmallow. And I'm like, no, that's nasty. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, the, the hot chocolate in Colombia is so much better. The, you know, the people, the if you think Nestle's hot chocolate mix is the good stuff, you're in for a treat if, once you visit Colombia. Yes, yes. And what is your favorite part about being Colombiano, Francisco? That's easy to answer. It's how tight the families are. I can go years, sadly, without seeing some of my extended relatives in Colombia. But within, whenever you see them, it's like you never were apart. You stay so close. And family, that's something I really want to instill in my family here in the U.S., that, that value, that cultural sense of unity within the family unit. I think that's incredible. I love it. And Camilo? I would say how happy that we are as a people, right? Colombian people are so happy. I think Francisco and I are, are good examples of that because we're just very optimistic, happy people. But you go visit Colombia and everyone, you know, people, it's a pretty poor country, but people are so happy. Everyone's yeah. happy and they don't have a lot, but they're content and it's very happy people and it's really infectious. Love it. 
And this is something I struggle with. So I'm curious what you do. What do you do when someone says or spells Colombia versus Colombia? Francisco. So that's a tough one. Um, so when we were little kids, we moved to Minnesota and Minnesota is known for being very passive aggressive. So I'm very guilty of that. Um, so initially I would just like do the typical like Midwesterner thing and not say anything. But as I've gotten older, I try to take a more like an education type of approach and just try to explain the difference and try to teach them. And I, and I think that goes a lot longer of a way in helping them understand the difference. And how about you, Camilo? I mean, I in general just overanalyze everything. So I usually will have an internal monologue in my head trying to figure out why they would spell it that way. But I, I think I usually will then give them the benefit of the doubt and say, you know, Colombia is really named after... Uh, Christopher Columbus, which in, in Italian was Cristoforo Colombo. And I always say, like, look, they're so aware of history that they know is Christopher Columbus. Columbus is spelled with a U, so they're spelling it that way. So really, they're geniuses. So I usually just will say, like, wow, I'm proud of them. Um, and, and I move on with my life. Well, you do all do so much better because my husband, anytime someone says that, and my husband and my boys, we're all together, they're like, uh-oh, what is she going to do now? <laughs> Because I try to behave myself. So lately, especially now online, I had bought a magnet that says Colombia, not Colombia. And so if it's online, I take a, I have already picture on my phone ready. And then I just, I don't say any words and I just reply with the, you know, with the the photo because I try to behave. And sometimes it's hard, especially when it comes to that. Yeah. Uh, And to give the, some of the listeners like kind of like an analogy, imagine if, you know, you're from the USA and you were just told people you were from the USA and they said, and they would just always spell USE for some reason, USE. And then you're like, wait, that's not, that's not how you spell it. No one and, and no so, one gets it right. No yeah. one, even if it's in the same, like, cause I've seen it online. Like, let's say they're referring to Colombia, like from a blog post and it's correctly in one place. And then they still refer it. I just don't get it. So that's why for me, it's like, I, I, I try to behave. I really, really do, but it's hard. All right. So I've gotten you warmed up with these questions. So I'm curious what you're going to say here. You ready? You're more than expecting this. Ready. One thing your twin doesn't know about you. Hopefully there's one thing. Francisco, putting you all on the spot. Maybe it's a good thing or maybe not while we wait. <laughs> I think so. We have never explicitly discussed this, but I would say that. I attribute a lot of my own success in life to Camilo. And it's because I always tried harder in life so I could be better than him at things. And it was that sense of competition and drive that always propelled me to study harder and do better. And I don't think I could have done everything I have without him. And so he's like one of the people I admire the most. And and I attribute so much of what I have today to him. And so that's something that I've never told him. So Camilo, thank you for everything. I love you so much. And I, I, I'm serious. Like I attribute a lot of the success I've had to you. So thank you. That is You're so, so awesome. welcome. I was going to actually say, um, I already knew that you would be, you'd be nowhere without me. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, that's really nice. And I, I love you so much. And actually, I mean, really, he knows me better than I know myself. It'd be like if you if you ask me what something your wife doesn't know about you, I, I feel like they kind of both know me incredibly well. So it's hard to to come up with something that he went. I guess he doesn't know that I, I had a protein bar for breakfast. But 
<laughs> but, but but really what I would say is um, I was going to say something very similar to him, which is he probably doesn't realize how proud I am of, of him. I never really tell him, but he, yeah, it just blows me away what he does. I'm so proud of him. I personally can't imagine having gone through the medical training that he's gone through from University of Minnesota, then medical school at Mayo Clinic, now residency at Northwestern Hospital in Chicago. Like I just, he's just such an impressive individual and it's, it's really humbling. And I'm just, I'm just so proud of him. And, uh, and yeah, I've never told him so Francisco, I'm just so proud of you. You're really, you're a remarkable person. And, and I just feel so lucky to have you as my, my brother. I'm proud of both y'all and I'm going to get teary eyed. (laughs) That is so awesome. I love it. This has been fantastic. I've enjoyed having you. I've enjoyed talking to you. I'm so grateful that I got to connect with you. I'm so grateful to even know you're from Colombia. That is just so amazing. And I want to give kudos. I mean, besides to you all and all your hard work and all your successes to your mom and your dad, you may have lost your dad at seven years of age, but it's obvious that he made an impact on you early on. And the the example that he set and the example that your mother has set has done both of you well. So I applaud you continue doing what you're doing, continue to set that example for people in general, for Latinos, for Colombianos, we need you. So thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having us. This was so much fun. And we can't wait to connect with your listeners. What did you think? Wasn't their story inspiring? And did you get teary-eyed at the end? I'm going to be honest, that question on the Chisme Express about something your twin doesn't know about you, that was just to cause some fun trouble, (laughs) not trouble in a bad way, but just to have some fun with that question. And I did not expect the answers that I got, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it because it goes to show the type of individuals, the type of good hearted and really hardworking people they are. So I hope that you enjoyed the chat. To connect with them, you can find thefinancetwins.com on the web. You can also find them on Instagram. So definitely check out their website. They have those calculators, easy to use calculators that I was telling you about when we were chatting with them. And on Instagram, if you love Instagram like I do, they also share not just awesome tips, but they have really some fun images that makes it engaging and just easy to follow and read and understand. So definitely check them out. Now, The theme this month has been really about thinking outside the box when it comes to saving. And I didn't ask these questions of them uh, during the interview because I was just so drawn by them, so intrigued with every single word that they were saying that I forgot to ask them during the question about saving and what they have done that maybe has been outside the box and so forth. So I had them each answer that question. And Camilo said that one thing that he has done that has saved him a bunch of money, which literally has been thousands of dollars over the year, was switching to Cricket Wireless a few years ago from AT&T. And he got the same service and plan for a fraction of the cost. And this was before it was popular to do so. And he does mention that Francisco shared that information with him. So he gives credit 
to Francisco. He doesn't claim it was all me. It was, it was because of Francisco. And I did ask him when he asked me this, because this is something I've considered. Now, currently we have Verizon as our provider, and I've always considered going to those other companies switching uh, for the money savings, but I've been hesitant because of the service, because what if we switch and then the service is bad and we're miserable and all that. But he shared with me that there's really been just one instance or so, or very few instances where there's been a lack of service and that's been in very remote areas. And I'm thinking, well, that I think that happens with all the providers, right? So I'm, I'm considering it. I'll, I'll keep you posted. Then the other thing that Camilo shared was that he switched from the standard Gillette. Is it Gillette or Gillette? This is where my pronunciation, <laughs> where I always have uh, questioned myself in my pronunciation uh, skills. But he switched from the standard Gillette or Gillette razor blades to shaving with a double edge razor. He used to spend so much money on replacement cartridges. They are costly. Ladies, you, you and I know that, especially for shaving legs and everything. And now he says he spends a penny a day or like $3 per year on Blaze, which is not bad. And he says the best part is that they, he actually gets a better shave with less irritation. So there you go. That's, that's pretty cool. And then Francisco, I asked him the same question and he immediately responded, Camilo stole my best tricks. <laughs> no, this, I, I'm being honest here. And then he mentioned that the safety razor and the Mint Mobile has saved him thousands over the years. And in college and in med school, he would buy textbooks that were an edition older than the current edition. So for example, a brand new calculus book like the fifth edition would cost $250 and a used edition that was essentially the same would be $15. So most of the professors were understanding and would give him an equivalent page numbers for those assignments. So something to consider and something that I'm keeping in mind for when my kids go to college. So thanks for sharing those, Francisco and Camilo. Now for the reina of the week, this reina of the week uh, for this week is Mary, as she shared that she got a raise in her job. And I know she was enthused and excited about it because it was a pretty pretty good raise. So congratulations, Mary, for that raise. And I know you're going to use it wisely. Uh, if you want to nominate someone who you sh feel should be recognized, you can submit your nomination over at jenhemphill.com forward slash reina of the week. And the pregunta of the week is why did Camilo and Francisco decide to take out credit cards at 18 years of age? That just floored me. So the question again is, why did Camilo and Francisco decide to take out credit cards at 18 years of age? So remember, you each week, we're asking a new question. You can answer each question or it'll be four questions for that monthly theme. And once you answer those four questions, you will unlock a freebie. And this freebie for this month is a checklist to use when planning a no spend challenge. So, so all you need to do is answer the question. You do need a free account in the Herd Dinero Matters Hub. 
If you already have a free account, you can just simply log into it by going to herdineromattershub.com. And if you don't have a free account, no worries. I've got your back. You can simply go to jenhempill.com forward slash win and you can sign up from there. So again, all you have to do to grab this month's freebie is answer the four questions for this month's theme. So it's not just four questions in general, but four questions pertaining to the month's theme. And this month's theme is all about saving and just thinking outside the box when saving. Uh, Next week, we will have our next Reina crew and we will continue the discussion on saving and different saving strategies that you might just put to use. So that is a wrap for today. I want to thank Camilo and Francisco for joining us, for sharing their inspirational, really, really inspirational story and showing how much they've been able to do and accomplish, which, oh my goodness. And so be sure to check out the show notes on where to find Camilo and Francisco or the finance twins, I should say, at jenhempill.com forward slash 192. You'll find out where to find them and all the links that I shared in today's episode. Also, don't forget, if you love this episode or this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you share it with a friend, family member, coworker, or even a stranger. Nunca se sabe, you never know when someone is in pain in their financial life because they're just not going to tell you. Just the sheer sharing of this podcast or episode may be the push or inspiration they need to move forward. Until then, stay consistent on those money actions and habits so you can not only be the reina of your money, but love your dinero more. You've got this. Tú puedes. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. I'll talk to you next Thursday. Ciao.